At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Let's get a vibe check going. Okay. Have you really felt the vibe that you expected to feel heading into this Jets week after the long break? I mean, I think people want Kenny to start this game. They just know it's not going to happen, right? Like, Because I don't see like the the like demand for it or the expectation for it really at all on my Twitter feed or, or my social media feeds. It seems like everybody just kind of accepts that it ain't going to be him. I mean, probably just because Tomlin said at the press conference on Thursday after the game that he's not even going to consider making a quarterback change. But he could be lying. You could lie all the time during those press conferences. When we... It's so frustrating because it feels like the narrative has not changed in terms of when you look to a word to define the season for the Steelers, 2020, 2021, and now already only three games into 2022... The word I associate the most with this team is frustrating. So <clears throat> every year, all three of these years, we've gone into the preseason saying, well, we know there are these issues, but we think the team is good enough overall to overcome these issues. And guess what happens, Tom? They start off 11-0 and in 2020. They have a huge collapse, historic, and then they lose in embarrassing fashion to the Browns in that wild card game. In 2021, they were all over the place. Could have been really good, but that offensive line was so bad. Clearly the thing that was holding you back the most. But T.J. Watt was so good that his performance alone is probably what got you to the postseason, only to be blown out in Kansas City. Now here we're in this year. New quarterback. Offensive line still an issue. Some questions on defense just because there's a couple of new faces there. But here we were. We were we were talking ourselves into saying, yeah, there's all these questions, but we really think this team could be good enough to overcome those issues. And now we're two weeks in, or three weeks in, two losses, both of which you thought, one for sure, you could have come away with a win instead of losing to the Patriots. The Browns was a toss-up, but it was really frustrating how you lost because it was only the first time all season that you scored 
multiple touchdowns, most multiple touchdowns on offense, and it wasn't even enough because in the second half of the game, wasn't enough. You did absolutely nothing. So, is the vibe check where I thought it would be? Maybe, but is it the way? How I thought we would get there? Absolutely not. I bet the vibes get cranked up tomorrow before Tomlin's press conference because that's when he would make the switch, right? I mean, he would announce. He's going to get asked. Let's there, just put it this yeah. way: he's going to get asked if he's thinking about or if he's it's thought gonna about. Fir- it's going to be the first question. Considered making a switch or yada yada yada, and he's going to deny it because Mitch is going to start this game on Sunday. I-, I just don't think this was our one. This was really our first spot in the season where we could have seen a switch happen, mm-hmm. and I think it's going to come to pass. I don't think you're going to see Kenny get thrown in there, but we're pretty damn close to the circumstances that we laid out before the season to make at this point in the season. They're one and two, looking at one and three, maybe two and two in the eye. Isn't it so sad that I say looking at one and three, and it's not that far-fetched because it's the freaking Jets, and you should just always beat the Jets at home, but... I think it's less of a fear of the Jets and more of a fear of your own team's incompetence right now that you're a Steeler fan going into this game and you're not having your your usual confidence of a Jets home game mm-hmm. in September. No, not at all. You are worried that if you don't win this game, the it's season's over. It's really embarrassing over. and the season's over. The season's it's also over. really embarrassing. Like You just don't want to lose to these guys. I mean, the Jets, sure, they beat the Browns. You don't want to be the Browns. I mean, no. you just lost to the Browns, but you don't want to be the Browns. I mean, the Jets just had, they were on the receiving end of the get-right game for the Bengals. Yeah, Joe that's, Burrow exercised some demons against them, that's, didn't he? That's the Jets that you know, that you're familiar with. Is, that was in New York, too, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, like, that's the team where you say, oh, well, the better team is just going to go in there and, and tune up and get right for their very next game. That's what the Steelers need this Jets game to be for when they go off and face the Bills the next week. But we're we're so worried, right? The typical Steelers way for this game to go is, oh, you got the Bills in two weeks. You really got to get ready for Josh Allen. You really got to get ready for Von Miller and that defense. And then you overlook the Jets, and that game's a lot closer than you want it to be. And you maybe come out with a win, right? And then you can finally put all your focus on the Bills saying, yeah, we may have overlooked the Jets here. But here you are. You got the Jets or you got the Bills in two weeks, but you're just as concerned about this Jets game as you are the Bills game. Maybe you're a little bit more concerned because people are probably saying to themselves, yeah, we're not going to beat the Bills. Yeah, you white flag the Bills game. You kind of expect, you you build that loss into the season. We have to focus on the Jets game. Because we need to win this game if we want a chance of making the playoffs down the road. But you're not even 100% sure you can win this game. Like what you said about it being a tune-up game for or a get-right game for a lot of teams, I think that's what kind of made it so attractive to people for it to be the game that Kenny came in for is because it can be that, all right, tune it up, get it right, let's unveil the new, new offense now that Kenny Pickett has taken over the keys to the car uh. and let's see what we can work on, establish comfort with against a much lesser opponent. And you're not going to get that, so now you have to apply it to the get-right game for Mitch. And first and foremost, and I, I'm going to talk about this all week and on shows I do and people I talk to, they got to get Pat Fryermuth more involved. I mean, sure. this game. You can't wait until. This game and every game screams right. for Fryermuth's involvement. You cannot wait until, what, two and a half minutes left in the game to get him his first catch? It's bizarre. It really was that he didn't seem to even register in Mitch Trubisky's reads, mm-hmm. in the 
first read of a play. Maybe the Browns did a damn good job of taking him away. But at some point, you still got to force one into him. That was proven in that desperation throw when the Steelers were trying to get down the field to kick a field goal slash score a touchdown and cut into the Browns' two-score lead. He threw one up into triple coverage, and Pat Fryermuth is just better than those guys. He jumped up and grabbed the ball and had a nice 20-plus yard gain. Mm -hmm. So even if the team is scheming Fryermuth out of the game plan and he's just being taken away beautifully by the other team's Mm -hmm. linebackers, safeties, what have you, you either A, have to scheme him open. I mean, it's not like if that's happening to the Chiefs, you think Andy Reid just punts on Travis Kelsey for the game? No, Absolutely of course not. not. You try to get him open creatively. And if that's not working, you say, you know what? Screw it. He's Travis Kelsey. He's Pratt Fireman. He's going to be he's able to covered, get the ball. But I'm throwing the ball. I'm high pointing this thing. He's going to jump higher than the linebacker and he's going to catch it. Look at his first catch. Look at Pat's first catch against That's Cleveland. what I just said. Like he, Into double coverage. Triple, into a tight, I think. I mean, it was into insane. Into a tight window. On a desperation, up yeah, and high, and Firemuth jumped and high pointed it better than anybody, and he has better hands than anybody. He's got better hands than all stone hands playing linebacker for any team. Just give him a chance to catch the ball. I mean, he does chalk talk. He was talking about how mm-hmm. he used to play basketball. Right. Dude averaged like fifty rebounds a game, probably just because he's so athletic, gifted with hands, and can mm-hmm. high point those balls. And you got to come to a point where, even if he's not like this, is the NFL. Even if he's not open, he's open. Certain players have that kind of ability, and I think Pat, although he's a baby with that ability, he's got those traits to him and will develop those traits more as the career goes on. Well, here's the frustrating thing. Again, I'm using that same word. You don't expect him to develop into this Travis Kelsey mini because the Steelers and Mitch Trubisky and Matt Canada aren't giving him the ball, aren't giving him the chance. We believe he has that potential but with the time or with the amount that he's utilized on this offense, he's not going to get that chance to become that next George Kittle, that next Mark Andrews. The one thing I, d- I think that differentiates him, though, like where he's not a Kelsey, is like, could you see them really throwing like those quick screens to Pat Fryermuth? Maybe for like a nice little quick hitter, but Kelsey's just seems to be more athletic than me. Like, but Fryermuth over the middle is going to be open. as sure as anybody. He, his nickname should be Seven Eleven. Like, he's going to be open 24-7, 10 like to 15 said, yards down the middle of the field. Firemuth, like, they should come up with a creative name for in between the hashes. Like, that's Firemuth zone or something. Mm-hmm. He'll just eat all the way up the middle of the field. That's the kind of archetype of player that he is. He's a mean son of a gun. Like, he's going to take all those hits from those linebackers and oh. deliver a lot of punishment and as well. And get right back up. He likes it. Like, yeah. you can tell he's one of you those dudes tell. that laughs when he hits somebody or he gets hit really hard. So, I just don't see how... People paid millions of dollars to construct offenses and do this for a living. Can't see what everybody, not just us, talking into a radio can, saying, oh, my God, Firemuth middle of the field is easy money. The Use way, it more. The, Try to get it open more. The way that we would sit on this show and, and other guys on their shows would sit and talk about the Browns and Kevin Stefanski having Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in his backfield and not using him when they were playing the Steelers especially the game in Cleveland last year where the Steelers marched down the field and scored that game-winning touchdown drive. The same way that we talked about Kevin Stefanski ignoring Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb last year is the same thing that Cleveland sport radio guys are doing right now, talking about how did, Matt, how did Mike Tomlin and Matt Canada not use Pat Frymuth until the Steelers' last drive of the game. It's almost malpractice. 
Yeah. Now, of course, they'll say he wasn't open or they were doing a great job of taking him away. But I already outlined why those are not real excuses. He's a stud. You got to get him the ball more. Also, 22. Good job in the running game this week. Mm-hmm. Well, better job in the running game this week. Found the end zone. I think, what was it, like 3.7, 3.8 yards per carry, but he got over 50 yards yeah, got over on the 50, ground. Yeah. How about some more in the passing game? How about getting the ball to him out in open field, out in space? It was very successful against the Patriots. There were times you saw it succeed against the Browns. You saw in the running game when he was able to get out into space and take mm-hmm. guys on one-on-one in the running game, he won a majority of those battles. Why not use him in the passing game more? I feel like he should be, if you're not going to open things up down the field receiver-wise and you're going to keep things very vanilla and in tight, why aren't you using Najee more in the middle of the field short, in the swing game short, out in space, plays designed to get him the ball with a couple blockers in front of him? I mean, where's the, have you seen the screen really successfully run from no, the Steelers? No, I mean, not like, successfully, to Najee. No. I mean, we've seen them to the wide receivers. Right. They fed George Pickens the screen early in the Browns And it game, got blown, blown up, up immediately. Right away. Yep. But I'm just talking about a traditional halfback screen. They're pinning their ears back. They're going to come after Mitch on a third and long. Let's dump it off to Najee with some blockers in front of him. Get the hogs rolling downfield and see if something can happen. Like, just use him more in the passing game. I feel like, again, it's not something that should be – hard to ask for no it's not it's not like they're trying and it's not succeeding where you keep dumping the ball off to Najee and he just keeps getting blown up he can't make the first man miss it's not working they're not even trying it and then the short short instances where they did try it it has worked and he has looked like the better of those one-on-one matchups in open field so on top of Fryermuth and his lack of usage the lack of usage for Najee in the passing game is really baffling me or should I say frustrating me Thank you to to seal my own word, but it is. And again, <clears throat> you feel like you're kind of beating a dead horse when you come on this show and you say, "Hey, why don't you get Pat Firemuth more involved or get him a, get him a target before that last drive or more than one target?" Because I believe that first catch he had on that last drive was only his second target all night long. Why don't you get Najee Harris more involved? You want to be more creative. You want to get Chase Claypool involved in jet sweeps. You know, it's just as easy, if not easier setting up a screenplay for Najee Harris because you know he can catch the ball and you know he can be deadly in open fields. Why not give him that space? Why not give him that protection to to, to develop a play surrounding him? You don't know why. There's just so many questions, Tom, surrounding this offense that you feel like you're asking the same questions over and over, but week in and week out, you come back and you just you have to ask these same questions because there has been no answer. There has been no solution and even though we feel that the blueprint is there, that that layout, that 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 formula that you've set up has not been heard, has not been received by the coaching staff, and you have no idea why. Because as you said, <clears throat> excuse me, as you said, you pay these guys millions of dollars to construct an offense. And how is it that they're missing the two most or two of the most obvious plays that you can run or or targets that you can set up for your quarterback? If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. 
And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Yeah, that's, it's, frustrating is a great word. Put it in the title of the episode, Jacob. Something with frustration. Because it's, it gets to the point now where you feel like you're banging your head against the wall asking for these things and... You're just not trusting that you're ever going to see them as you march through week after week after week after week of seeing the same old thing on offense. And you get this little glimmer of hope when it comes to the offense with the Browns game. And you see two drives back-to-back that ended in touchdowns. You take the lead going into halftime. And you, you start to finally believe a little bit. And then just the second half, the entire air comes out of the balloon. And it's all over the room. Everywhere. It's awful. And it, it's it feels hopeless almost that they're going to be able to turn something around and we just talked about two things in this offense that are not quarterback driven at all in fact the things we're asking the offense to do makes life a lot easier sure. for quarterbacks check downs to running backs in the flat short passes Tight ends over, over the middle, the middle. Yep. like these aren't like we're asking him to throw a 60-yard go route into double coverage and drop it into and, an Aaron Rodgers-sized bucket. And hope like, to God that George Pickens makes the catch of the year like in, order, in order for that to be a reception. It's not like we're asking for that. We're asking for very quarterback-friendly plays. Yeah. And that being said, I don't know if making the quarterback change changes much. I mean, at least at least what making the quarterback change will do is it will identify the culprit, Right. If, if Kenny comes, Kenny out comes there, in and it still looks very stiff and there's nothing going over the middle of the field and then there's it's, nothing to the running back. It's the coaching and the it's play, the play calling. calling. Yep. Because I I saw Kenny play for five years, especially that last year at Pitt. He likes using the middle of the field. Like he's a all over the field kind of quarterback. I mean, if he comes in and he's going to sideline to sideline and ignoring the middle of the field... Mm-hmm then that's coaching to be ignoring the middle of the field. And that's what they want their quarterback to do is to keep things outside and not in traffic. But you got to go to the traffic. you got to throw it to the middle if you want to be successful in the league. It's, it's where the most space is. It's where you can get guys the most open. Right. And when you use sideline-to-sideline side stuff like the Steelers do, not only do you have to deal with the defender, but you got that second defender in the white chalk. Like, you mm-hmm. have to worry about stepping out of bounds. You, you're walking on a tightrope with a lot of your routes out there. Because he can't get out of bounds. So if there's one thing that pulling the switch and or hitting the switch and putting Kenny Pickett in there will prove, it'll prove that it was either Mitch was too scared to use the middle of the field, even though there were plays called to do so, and he just wasn't executing them right, or Canada's too scared to let any of his quarterbacks use the middle of the field. And not to be a critic here, but you'd rather it be the former. You'd rather it Mitch was the, the problem. Absolutely. Because if it's not, then you have two guys who you're still not sure of what they could do because the play calling is clearly the issue, and you don't know which direction to go from there. But if it is Mitch, mm-hmm. like you said, then don't you think it would be like really being pushed in that facility to put Kenny in, especially from Canada? Like, don't you think he'd be going to Tomlin and being like, 
Ten's not using Ten's not using the middle of the field. Like mm-hmm. he's just refusing. Like I'm not. He'd be like Mike. I'm not dialing up middle of the field plays a lot. But, but when I do, not he's looking, not doing. He's not it. Like he's not even it. looking at it when there is an option there for him to use the middle of the field. So like, are we gonna put eight in because he does it. He wants to do it and he talks about it in the film room and he sees it. Like you'd think that that would kind of be happening and already we would never if, know yeah. because it's behind closed doors. But vibe check. That ain't happening. It feels like Canada's pretty comfortable with Mitchin. Tomlin's pretty comfortable with Mitchin. Again, it doesn't seem like they're ready to pull the trigger on Kenny just yet. And when it comes down to it, it's not going to be Tomlin with Canada next to him on the podium making the making that call and making that switch. It's only Tomlin, right? I don't think there's any influence, <clears throat> maybe other than Art Rooney himself, who could have a sway on to what Tomlin wants to do with Kenny versus Mitch, right? You don't You don't think... If Canada's in Tomlin's ear saying, "Hey, I like Mitch, but if you, I mean, but if you go Kenny, that's your decision," or or if he's egging on Tomlin saying, "Hey, I think Kenny can do a lot better of a job here," it's going to be Tomlin's decision. I think Tomlin's decision alone. Oh, of course, yeah. Everything that happens in the organization is Tomlin's decision, unless the big cheese, right, Mister Rooney, steps in, and then it's his decision ultimately at the end of the day. But. It's mainly all Tomlin, so yeah, it's he might be petitioning to put Kenny in, but you're right, it's not, it's not like it's going to be. You're right, Matt. I'll I'll listen to you and, and put him in mm-hmm. and trust your judgment. It's or up to Tomlin. It's up to Tomlin's to judgment. And you like Mitch out there? You think he's doing enough job? Because you said that, I'll keep him out. No, there. it's it's up to Tomlin's judgment at the end of the day, and we have to trust these coaching staffs somewhere. And maybe the trust is they know Kenny's not quite ready yet. Great preseason against some vanilla defenses, and they love what they I don't know, because that Jaguars team seems to be doing pretty well. But vanilla defense. Like, yes. they didn't scheme yeah, yeah, up yeah. to how to stop number yeah. eight or how to, you right. know, take away the Steelers' fourth-string wide receiver in that game. But maybe they like what they're seeing every day in practice, and, man, this kid, he's he's really beating the learning curve, but he's doing it in a very controlled environment. When we drop him into live action, he's going to be as calm as can be because it's going to be like riding a bike for him at this mm-hmm. point. The more and more we can keep him in kind of that quarterback incubator in our own practices, the better it is for his development. So maybe that's where it really ends right there. It's not a matter of, hey, Mitch has been bad. We need a spark. We need a change. Let's throw Kenny in there. Maybe he's just not ready yet. Maybe they know he still needs some more time. And that's doing the fans a service while they think you're doing them a disservice. You know what I right. mean? Like behind closed doors, you're doing them a favor by not rushing the potential franchise quarterback and therefore potentially making him the franchise quarterback that you want him to be. Whereas they demand you throw him out there to the wolves immediately, sink or swim kind of method. And if he sinks, I'm sure the vibe's going to change a lot in Steeler Nation towards the negative side of things. And you might have not ruined, but hindered the development of a franchise quarterback. So. Maybe people should stop looking at it from the aspect of, oh, Mitch stinks, just throw the kid out there. Start looking at it from the aspect of, man, Mitch stinks, but we got to keep riding with him until Kenny is for sure 100% ready to take the reins. I just, (laughs) we talked about in our previous episode today, when do you get to that point, that that line of no return of you got to put TJ in to help the defense? (laughs) At what point do you look at the offense and say, oh, not going to put out more than one touchdown uh, scoring drive per game. At what point do you say you got to make a change? I, I don't know. what I, We we had both said if you come out before the Thursday night game, if you come out and you have the same vanilla 
unproductive offense, then you start to hear the Kenny Pickett starting calls and actually say, I don't think it's the worst idea now. Right? We were saying after week one and week two with only one scoring drive per game saying, hold the phone, Kenny's not ready, let Mitch give give Mitch some time to work here. And now after a third game with really zero or, or little to none offensive production, you're saying to yourself, I hear the Kenny calls and I'm not going to say shut up to them. So my question is, is when does that point of no return arrive? Does it come because the season is getting to be desperate where you're maybe you're scoring two touchdowns, maybe you score three touchdowns a game, but because you're playing the Bills and the Bucks, sorry, not the Bucks, but the Eagles and the Dolphins, your record is poor and you say, we need to do something better if we want to not have a losing record this season? Or is it the offense continues to sputter, you're going no more than one touchdown per game on the offense, and that's when you say something needs to change, we need to get Kenny in there? I don't know, but you feel like there's going to be a confluence of those two issues where your offense can't keep up with the other teams, and when you're on the field alone, you're not doing nearly enough. I, We, we were talking about T.J. Watt coming in there before the bye week to give the Steelers a chance of slowing down the opposing offenses, but I think you agree with me. I'm not saying it's, it's necessarily Kenny, but something needs to happen in order for this offense to make a switch because there's too much talent on the field to have such little production. And you, you just simply are not going to win games if you keep it, if you keep things steady from what you've already seen out of this team so far. Well, we can't not give Teddy KGB his due despite another loss. We got to give out our Monday moneymakers. It's like a funeral procession now when we give out these it's paychecks. It's kind of sad. Now, but, hey, some guys deserve the paycheck sure. a little bit more than others. Well, not a little bit more than others. They deserve to get their paycheck first before others do. Just jump to the front of the line. My Monday moneymaker for week three against the Cleveland Browns on Thursday night football, I'm going to go with Alex Highsmith. Pay that man his money. One and a half sacks. He was a wrecking ball in the backfield. Mm-hmm. A couple more tackles for losses. Uh, he played like Robin. And there was just no Batman right. there to follow it up with two sacks on his own. And a forced fumble, impact. a couple yeah, of passes so, batted down at the line of scrimmage. But like I said uh, in an earlier, I think it was the first episode we did, Highsmith doing exactly what you wanted him to do yes. this year. He's got, four, he's got what, five sacks he's, now on the season? I think I think four and a half. Four and a half, so three in the first game. And then, and then one, and, one and, half and a half, so four Thursday. sacks total. He's on his way to having his best season as a For sealer. sure, and it just stinks that he doesn't have his PIC on enough. the other side. Yeah, Like, any team would be happy to have someone like Alex Highsmith, but the fact that but this when they team, also have a but TJ the fact Watt. that this team also has T.J. Watt, it's kind of unfortunate for this performance by Alex Highsmith to go kind of unnoticed and underappreciated because the guy that can get you twenty sacks in a given season isn't there to compliment him and and create even more sack opportunities for Highsmith. I have no problem with the Highsmith pick. He was my uh, money maker winner. In week one, uh, but given that you took him, I think I'll go offense here. The only play worth noting on offense, really, all day long, was that George Pickens catch on the sidelines. Yeah. So, Teddy KGB, you know what to do for George Pickens. Pay that man his money. 
it sucks that he had that amazing catch and then went away. What, they what, just didn't I, use him I, at all for really the rest hear, of the game. I mean, the only other play you really saw him involved in was that screen that you mentioned earlier that just got blown. That up was before that play too. Oh, that really? was that was like first play from scrimmage. Let's get fourteen involved. Oop, that didn't work. No. But don't you see that? And then you just start to add the uh, it number fourteen down there somewhere. Play. Why wouldn't you? Like I they kind of did at the end too. Yeah, they did. Here's a little criticism for George Pickens. Okay, let me hear it. I think he catches that ball with two hands in the end zone. In the end zone, the end I agree. Game. I think he he kind of wants to he say, like, one I can get happy. it done with yeah. one hand. I agree. Tom, I had the exact same thought Busted when I saw that. Busted coverage from the Browns. Yeah, they let absolutely. Pickens get inside on him and thought he could have had a tutty there. First tutty as a stealer in the regular I, season. I agree. It was my first reaction when I saw the the replay of that. That drop pass, because that's what I think it should go down as, is a drop pass. Drop pass, for sure. It was there. If you have two hands on that ball, especially if you're George Pickens, you can catch that ball. You can now listen to Steelers Nation Radio anytime, anywhere through your smart speaker. Just say, Alexa, play Steelers Nation Radio for my heart, and Alexa will take care of the rest. We'll recap week four. Three week three of the NFL three. season. <laughs> it when feels we like come it's back, been a lot longer, oh, it's right? been so much. It's just football all the time. It it's coming out of my ears. Week five, offense. college football. Week three, oh, I can't keep track. We'll recap week three of the NFL action. It was a fun Sunday, and we got a game tonight that we can preview as well. That's all on the way in the next episode. He's Jacob Brecht. I'm Tom Opperman, and this is the Steelers Standard. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss in the land of saints and sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the land of saints and sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment, watch it now on digital, rated R. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.